0: Dan Dickow for the Bulldog broadcast in the field of 68 Media Network. A quick recap on Gonzaga's first regular season game of the year against Dixie State and a little bit of a preview against uh, the big-time matchup against Texas. Gonzaga, is anybody who's listening to this knows, uh, number one in both the coaches and the AP poll. Uh, first time they've ever started the season, number one, in both polls. They've been it in the AP but never in the coaches' poll to start the season. Uh, Texas, number five, currently in both polls. That game Saturday night is going to be uh, a huge look into where both of these teams are early in this season with so many new faces. Texas, uh, a number of transfers. You go down the list. Marcus Carr was a great scorer at Minnesota a season ago. Timmy Allen did everything at Utah Devin Askew, a great shooter, transferred from Kentucky where he really never found his way. Trey Mitchell uh, had a couple of really good years at Massachusetts, um, a very versatile scorer. Uh, Christian Bishop kind of did all the little things for Creighton over the last couple of years. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing somebody in their transfer world, but um, they look to be extremely good and talented under Chris Beard. Chris Beard has had success against Gonzaga in the past. You look back a couple of years in the NCAA tournament when Gonzaga had Rui. Uh, Corey Kispert, Brandon Clark, uh, Petrushev, um, they really gave fits to Gonzaga on the offensive end of the floor. And it's, and it's a lot of it's because of how unique they are defensively. Um, you know, they are one of the best defensive teams uh, that I can remember in recent years. And, and they don't do it every single possession, at least from what I know and what I've watched. But the, there are times that defensively they will not let the ball get to the middle whatsoever. Well, every great defensive, uh, every great coach has a philosophy on both ends of the floor. But defensively, many coaches will preach, keep the ball out of the paint, keep the ball out of the paint, influence sideline, influence baseline. Well, Texas takes it a step further and and they are absolutely pushing everything to the corner. Where in a typical defense, you'll be, say if the ball's on the wing, you're influencing corner, uh, say there's a, a, a reversal pass to go to the top of the key, instead of being like on the line up the line, discouraging it. But if it's an opportunity, the ball will get reversed. They will be completely uh, in that passing lane. Sometimes with the back to their to the guy that they're guarding, where literally. They're, they're in the gaps defensively where even if they start to get back middle, that secondary defender is in, in the gap in that passing lane ready to shut it off. And then the secondary help, so the guy two passes removed is already in the middle of the key, um, where really you, you have no opportunities to drive and get middle. Um, it, I don't know if I'm doing justice describing it, but... The breakdowns that you can see on, on a number of different websites uh, do a really good job of, of sharing it, but the biggest focal point for, for te- Texas, I think, defensively, and now you've only got a small sample size in one game, is um, they're going to try to make life difficult for Gonzaga on the offensive end of the floor, uh, and they do that by keeping the ball on one side of the floor, not allowing you to get middle, because when the ball gets middle, you break the defense down, you put the defense in rotation, and things open up for the offense. Now, on the flip side for Gonzaga, on the offensive end, they've been so good over the last however many years because they may be the best team in the country at getting the ball from side to side. They run their continuity ball screen offense, uh, and that ball will switch sides three or four times in a matter of 10 to 12 seconds because they're so unselfish. They, they understand spacing and they understand cutting angles. They understand screening angles, uh, and, and they're willing to make the correct play and the right pass at the right time uh, to, to free up a teammate or to get a teammate a shot. So I think that's going to be one of the biggest, uh, things to keep an eye out for is Gonzaga able to move Texas's defense, get the ball side to side and, and get them to break down a little bit. I think the glass is always going to be a key when you go against the big 12 team. Um, Texas doesn't have the size maybe that you would think of with a big 12 team. I, I say that with, with, with they don't have the size of being, you know, maybe a seven foot two forty uh, post in there where they can maybe rotate a couple of those guys in, but they do have great size on the wings and on the perimeter um, where they've got six 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 seven six eight long rangy athletes, um, you know. So that's that's where I think the size comes in. You know, Texas had uh, an easier non or easier opening game win than Gonzaga. They beat Houston Baptist. Uh 9248, six um six longhorns were in double figures. So they've got a lot of guys that can spread it and share it um and, and make plays for each other and are willing um to make plays for each other. So um I think when it comes down to it, the biggest things for Gonzaga to have success um is don't turn it over because they had 15 turnovers in their opener against Dixie State, but don't turn it over. Um because of the pressure that Texas is going to put on you, influencing you sideline, baseline, corner, um, just get get that ball to correct angles, get that ball to correct spacing, and try to get that ball moving side to side, and then punch gaps when opportunities presents itself. I think they got to finish at the rim. Um, I don't think Gonzaga's finished great um, at the rim, both in the two exhibition games as well as in the game against Dixie State. I, I think they missed. Um, a few more shots on the interior than than they're used to and maybe that the staff would like, but that's an easy fix. I mean, you look at Holmgren, Timmy, Watson, Caden Perry, Ben Greg. those guys are solid. Those guys are terrific players. It's not going to be an issue for long, but it, unfortunately it has been the first three games of the year. And I think they've got to they hit enough threes to, to, to keep Texas honest, uh, to guard them at the three-point line and not pack it in quite so much. Um, I think that might be... Uh, one of the adjustments Texas makes is try to make them score from the three-point line. Rasier Bolton, uh, three of four from beyond the arc um, in the opener. But other than that, um, nobody was was multiple threes, uh, at least from what I remember. But um, I think that's going to be a recurring theme throughout this season. I think Gonzaga has a lot of really good shooters, uh, but they don't have a true knockdown shooter like they had a season ago um, in Corey Kispert. But when you look now at Gonzaga's first game, a regular season opener, Coach Few obviously wasn't there. I think Brian Michaelson showed his poise as a as a head coach. uh It's fun to watch him because he's a friend of mine. I, I think you know when you look at Coach Greer heading off, you look at Coach Rice heading off, uh, Coach Jack Letty getting his opportunity, Tommy Lloyd. It is only a matter of time for Brian Michaelson, and, and I say this with a, with a ton of respect and, and knowing him that. Um, he's going to be tremendous whenever he's ready or feels it's time to be a head coach somewhere other than Gonzaga. Maybe it is Gonzaga in in years from now when when coach few may say he's, he's done. Um, But I I thought it was really fun to see him in that role. I thought he did a good job. And I think, you know, one of the other things that is great about this, the the way Gonzaga runs their practices when, if you get a chance to to ever go is uh, coach few gives his staff a lot of, Teaching responsibilities. Um, and so, you know, Brian's ability to coach those guys in practice uh, and then translate it into the game was really fun to see. I mean, those guys coach them up in scrim, in inter squad scrimmages all the time. So Brian was prepared. He was ready for the moment. Uh, I, I thought it was funny, though, to watch kind of his uh, demeanor on the sidelines. Um, he looked like a head coach, he looked like he was ready. And so, again, it was a lot of fun for me to see that. But you know, you know when you look at the Dixie State game overall, I thought it was great. 97-63 win. They got off to a great start due to their defense, and then they had a few lulls on, on the offensive end of the floor. You know, with too many turnovers. Um, you got to give Dixie Straight State a lot of credit. They they hung in there. I think they closed the gap to about twelve points or so, maybe with about fourteen minutes left, twelve minutes left, something like that. Um, but it was a it was a chance for Gonzaga. Um, to feel a little bit of adversity uh, at home. I think that was better for them than cruising to, you know, a 50 point home win against a division one opponent in their opener, much like the two uh, exhibition games they had. So I thought having a little bit of adversity was good um, so that they could take some, some film and break it down and improve upon it. But when you look at some individual performances, I mean, Chet Holmgren, it's only a matter of time before we see a triple double from him. We may even see a quadruple double from him because he's just, stuffs every imaginable stat on the box score that you can imagine. Drew Timmy, you know, he was solid. Nothing jumped out of the page, 11 points, four rebounds, but he dealt with some foul troubles. Um, but that's not going to be the case throughout much of the year. Anton Watson I thought was was a great spark for Gonzaga. Uh, his, his experience and his versatility is really going to show. Uh, Bolton, uh, he had a great first opener. He just took what the defense gave him. Gave him. There was one pick and roll, defender went under, he stopped behind, hit the three. Another dribble handoff action, defender went under, he stopped behind, got the handbag, hit the three. So you could see the experience on, on those type of reads that are going to be important for Gonzaga. I thought Hickman had some nice moments, uh, 11 points in his opener. Uh, Salas played really good in the first two exhibitions. He didn't score the way that he did in those two in the, in the opener, but uh, I'm really high on him. And then Julian Strother, struggled in the first half, really came alive in that second half, getting out, pressuring the ball, getting in passing lanes, uh, getting out, scoring in transition. So all in all, uh, a great opener. Um, but this is a, a big week for Gonzaga. As mentioned, play number five, Texas. Uh, this is a chance to really kind of see where some of these young guys are at because Gonzaga's got a lot of new faces. Texas has a lot of new faces. The difference with Texas' new, Texas's new faces They've got experience at the college level. Gonzaga's got to get that experience at the Division One level. So all in all, looking forward to it. I think Gonzaga fans are going to learn a lot uh, over the next 24 to 48 hours of, of individual um, strengths and weaknesses, as well as team strengths and weaknesses, and we're going to be able to start seeing uh, where things can really improve because that's the beauty of this year's Gonzaga team. As good as they are now, the room for growth it is going to be fun to watch. Before we move on to the next topic, let me tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now's the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new Rush Pay instant approval, Withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and more reliable. With basketball season tipping off, get in on the action by going to betrivers.com today or by downloading the BetRivers iOS app. Must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Today's Bulldog broadcast with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, for the Field of 68 Media Network is one I think listeners are gonna enjoy. Three names that uh, need to be synonymous with the start of Gonzaga's prowess. Uh, Hard to believe it was the early to mid 90s that this trio played with a number of other really good players uh, to get Gonzaga started on the right track. Uh, Point guard Jeff Goss, terrific shooter Jared Davis, and the first of many transfers from the University of Washington, Jeff Brown. fellas. I appreciate you guys joining me. Let's start with Jeff Goss. Jeff, you have a reputation of, from a lot of former players as kind of being the first point guard who really had a lot of talent, but you didn't always put things together. I'm going to give Jeff and Jared a chance to to answer that one in a minute about your game, but tell us a little bit about your struggles early as a point guard at Gonzaga. How long's your show? Um... <laughs>
1: That uh, I think it started with Fitz saying he didn't know whether to put a catcher's mask on when I was playing, so that was always a, a good one to start with as a point guard from a confidence level. But uh, you know, there was a lot, you know, just coming from a small town and being, uh, you know, pretty inexperienced. But then also kind of building with the guys that are on the screen were very very helpful. But there were a lot of struggles early, just as you know, being a point guard, just trying to learn the game and learn the system and playing at a different level.
0: Yeah, Gonzaga has always put a lot of uh, responsibility on point guard shoulders. And we'll touch on, on Fitzgerald, uh, Coach Fitz, later on, because I think he doesn't get enough credit for being kind of a, the foundational piece uh, to the program. But, Jared, you were a little older than these guys. You had to kind of set the tone for the culture that was being built at Gonzaga. Uh, what was that like? And then when you look at Gonzaga's culture now, have you seen it carry through?
2: I think early on, Dan, it was, you know, Eric Brady and I were the same age. So Brady was actually a transfer from the University of Washington. Um, we were kind of the two seniors. He had to sit out as well. So I think our shirt class was really the class. It was Fuse first year, uh, Dan Munson, Billy Greer. So it was me eric brady scott Spink, jeff goss matt stanford that was the first group that i think started to kind of change it culturally um and i think it was influenced by mark um that mediocrity really wasn't the goal uh that everyone wanted to you know see if we could do bigger and better things and and frankly all of us were other than brady were sort of not kind of underdogs if you would uh, for the most part uh, and I think now Mark look Mark always had a chip on his shoulder he's like why are we playing and nothing against them but why are we playing Eastern Oregon uh let's go play guys that you know we'll, we'll challenge them if it's got to be a neutral court um took them a while to get fits to come around
0: Jeff Brown you uh started your career similar as myself at the University of Washington um you came back, because you grew up in the Spokane area, you came back and had a dominant career at at Gonzaga. What was it about needing to come back to Spokane and Gonzaga, and then the ability to have success that was special for you?
3: Yeah, that's a great question, Dan. Um, You know, first, I I always say, you know, when people ask me, was I disappointed that I spent a year over in Seattle? And I'm not. And the reason I'm not is it gave me great perspective and appreciation of just the difference, as you well know, in programs and, and you know cultures. Um, and I would agree with Jared and, and Goss that, you know, the, the bedrock of that was that that redshirt class, if you will. And I would need to give Jared credit. Um, he and I also played together at Meade High School. And he was two years older than I was. And he was adamant that this redshirt crew, along with Jamie Dudley, who was playing as a, as a freshman, um, really were a special group. And so transferring back to Spokane to Gonzaga was easy. Um, you know, growing up here, watching Fitz in the sidelines, I'd sit there and watch him and go, you know, he, during the game looks like Bobby Knight. I'm not sure that's the guy I want to go play with. And, you know, I will share with you that, that practices with Fitz were in a classroom, right? He really taught. Now, games may be something different. He would lose his mind and, and, and he got caught up in the, in the game Um, but Gonzaga is just a special place and it was, you know, great to be able to, you know, get the program going the right way, um, recruit the right guys. And, you know, 30 years later, we are taking our wives and our teammates together on trips together. And I think that speaks very well of the the friendships that that were established, um, way back in the day.
0: You guys all seem to have fond memories of Fitz and, Coach Few, I know, has taken a lot of things from Fitz and, and kind of molded them into his coaching philosophy and his concepts. But when you look at Fitz, what was what was the most special thing about him? We can start with you, Jared.
2: I, I, I agree with Jeff. Look, Fitz was a real student of the game. I mean, he was kind of nuts. Like when, when the lights came on, uh, I remember – you know the jump ball would go up, and if we lost the tip, he'd look down the bench at few and months and throw the towel and say, "That's it, ball game." Like he just sort of lost his mind. but in in practice he he really knew a lot about the game and he really taught it uh, in practice. And I think, look, he's a loyal he was a loyal guy. He really, in his own way, wanted the best for each of his players. He went about it differently. You know, he would hug and kiss Brown and scream at me. So he had a little bit different with each guy. Uh, But that, that was the really special part of Fitz.
0: Jeff Goss. I know, you know, a lot of times people say the point guard is a coach on the floor. You didn't get into coaching. Did you ever have any thoughts of getting into coaching or did being around Fitz and seeing, you know, a coach few in the early years of being an assistant kind of dissuade you from going down that path? No, I, I think we actually
1: just were talking about this last weekend. I think we all had, at least a, for a bit of time, the thought of going into coaching. And I know I did, and I especially did coming back overseas. But um, it, it w- I think it would have been fun to coach with Fitz, with the exception of the late-night film sessions. But he was definitely, like Jared was just saying, I, he's one of those guys that you learn so much from in practice, and then it, you know, hopefully it would carry over into the games, which a lot of times it did. But with him especially, he was just a, a pretty special, special guy to, to learn from. Maybe not all the time, but definitely during practice because he was, I felt, way ahead of a lot of his peers
0: during that time. Brown, would, uh, you were, I believe, WCC Player of the Year twice. Am I right with that?
3: Uh, just once, Danny.
0: Just once, okay. So you're, yep. you you the I think the first Gonzaga player to win that award. Is there a game or a matchup that you remember from your time in the WCC that uh, you know you might come across in, in memories and think fondly of it?
3: Um, certainly plenty of them. Um, there'll be a handful, if I might. Um, the first one was, you know, I was the ability to go to Santa Clara, which is where Fitz was the assistant. And I remember the first time we got him a win on the road, um, playing against his protege, um, Coach Williams, Carol Williams was certainly a, a key game. Um, personally, you know, the first time that uh, we went to the postseason at Gonzaga was the NIT. We, we played Stanford and coming out of high school, Stanford was certainly a school that I wanted to go to or was certainly on the short list. Um, and then the last one was, uh, you know, probably the, the one of most heartache, which was as a senior we won the WCC by four games, Um, clearly the best team, but we got upset in the WCC league tournament. Um, And I distinctly remember getting called my second foul in the first half and then I sat there as a great spectator on the bench for the next 12 minutes. Um, And I was a hot mess that game, but you know, if I could go back and hit the rewind button for that game to get Gonzaga into the the tournament for the first time ever, um, you know, would be a game that I would love to go replay, but that's the beauty of sports. Um, is that thrill of, of accomplishment after, you know, so much hard work, as well as the disappointment in that that game against San Diego my senior year, Goss's senior year, was, was certainly one of disappointment. Well, you know, a lot
1: of guys that are locked down defenders like you are a hot mess on the bench, so that's why you got those two fouls. Yeah, I was going
2: to say, <laughs> why wouldn't you bring up the Fresno State game when you locked down Will Hooker? I mean, what, what, what about that? I guess I, I made you. Them- you get a hand up. I
3: guess I made the mistake of actually trying to defend for a possession and got bring up for a bad foul. Dan, you can appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Well, you know, one of the things that I learned from Coach Few, and, and Goss, you probably couldn't relate to this, but I'm sure Jeff Brown can, is if you're scoring more points than your opponent, you can just <laughs> give it a lay defense on occasion, right? <laughs>
1: That's I giving sure Brad is. a lot of credit that he even has the word defense in his vernacular. It doesn't work yeah, that way with him. He
2: didn't even know where that was.
1: I know. He's like, what end of the court is that again?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff. Did your Gos? Did your time match up with Steve Nash at Santa Clara? I think if I'm right, you would have matched up against him a little bit. Am I right? Yeah,
1: we we played against him for
0: two years, so
1: my junior and senior year when he was a freshman
0: and sophomore. So how was that? Because you, I remember the stories of being told from Beege and Coach Few that uh, you were a terrific defender. You weren't you weren't afraid to climb up into guys. But Steve Nash, even at a young age, was a different level of ball handler, creativity. Creative wise,
1: yeah, you know what, we always thought he was, you know, really, really good. Um, uh, I never expected he would be where he is today, uh, but he was very, very difficult to guard. Very fun guy off the court as well, which was, which was nice. But uh, candidly, the guys that were harder on that team were one was John Woolery, the left-handed point guard, is another all-league guy. But the toughest guy was Orlando Smart from USF. I mean, he was the hardest guy I've ever, ever had to guard. He led the nation in uh, assists, I think, three of our four years together. But Nash was a guy that just got better. I just – I don't know. I don't know about uh, Brown, but we always had a problem with him, but he was never that guy that was overly concerned about
0: that he was going to kill us. So, Jared, I look at you as being one of the first Gonzaga guys that fits the mold, kind of like a Corey Kispert where Richie from, big wing that could shoot it. Um, Is that – do you see – yourself as being that early prototype wing for Gonzaga?
2: I mean, certainly my role, Dan, was shooting, right? But uh, I, I, I didn't quite uh, rise to the athleticism of the Kisperts and Fromms. But um, look, a few doesn't always agree with this. And Gonzaga's obviously taken this to a totally different level than when the three of us played. But the West Coast Conference, when we played, was good. I mean, Doug Christie was my big nemesis. And Doug was, what, a 16-year NBA player. Um, there were really, really good players in the West Coast Conference. Nash, you mentioned, was coming in the league. I mean, the Loyola teams. Um, you know, it was hard to sit out. I was a – the whole reason I went to Gonzaga is because I was a, such a late bloomer. I had to go to junior college. And there were times my uh, – Goss and I's redshirt year, Fitz wanted to pull me off the redshirt because I think they were 8-and-20, Um and I didn't, it's the whole reason I went to Gonzaga is I knew I was a late bloomer. I mean, I grew five inches in college. So um, if that was the prototype, I think it was certainly the start, but it, it certainly helped when we got Brown uh, and when Brown was eligible because actually my average went down a little bit, but it, we were a much better team because all of a sudden we had someone that was such a scoring threat down low. No defense, but he could really score.
0: (laughs) There's always an evolution to a a player-coach relationship, both when you're playing, getting done different roles that you kind of have over the course of your life. But with Coach Few going from assistant coach to head coach and now future Hall of Famer, Jeff Brown, I want to start with you first because you played, then you were a broadcaster for a couple years, so you got to talk to him in in that sense. And now, all these years later, I know you run into him on different occasions. What has your relationship been like with Coach Few, and what are some big – maybe a big surprise that people wouldn't know about him?
3: That's an awesome question. So, you know, he was such a young assistant when we played. And at the time, Coach Munson was, you know, the bigs coach. Few would take the guards. Um, And, you know, give Fitz credit for, you know, taking a shot on, you know, at the time, very young high school coaches – and that had a huge impact on the program um all the things obviously brought from energy and perspective level and i think your your word of evolution as far as a relationship with players is spot on um when i got done um you know mark and i spent a ton of time either in the golf course or fly fishing together when i was playing overseas and became extraordinarily tight um you know I, i'd like to say that at the time he and i were kind of fly fishing together and i think he's probably um, Spent probably a million hours more um, in the last decade on the river than I have, but just a good person. It starts with that. Um, you know, would I allow my boys to go play for Coach Few in a second, um, as far as just being good people? And, you know, there's a handful of things, you know, what college isn't trying to figure out how to unlock the Gonzaga. I think all of us probably get asked that all the time. Like, what's the secret? And he clearly is a you know, massive role in that. And, you know, not only is he going to be on the Hall of Fame, but arguably on the Mount Rushmore, the the greatest college basketball coaches of all time, especially if he's able to go win a national championship. Um, So from where we were, 8 and 20 in the early 90s, to talking about, is this the year they're going to win the national championship? No one would have looked at Gonzaga at that point and said, that's probably a likely um, Cinderella story coming out of there. So I think we all, obviously, that story is well told. um, But what I appreciate about Mark is he hasn't changed. Um, he's still the guy that you can, you know, go fly fish with, play golf with. Um, He's a family guy. And at the end of the day, just a really good person.
0: Yeah, I would, I would agree. You know, I think the only, and I, and I don't even say this is a negative interaction with coach few, but one of the first uh, years I was in broadcasting I had to call a game. It was Gonzaga at Santa Clara. And you guys have heard myself and Richard Fox and Greg Heister many times on the regional games. Well, Santa Clara had a pretty good game that day. Gonzaga won, but uh, I felt as a broadcaster, just getting in, I had to call it straight down the middle. I don't want to be that Homer guy that can't have other opportunities. I go to a Gonzaga practice two or three days later um, to prepare for the next one. And coach few, beelines it to me sitting on the sideline. He goes, so what are you now? Are you like a Santa Clara Bronco fan? You, you don't like the Zags anymore? I mean, I'm not going to let you come to practice if you're going to talk about us like that. And I said, and I had to look at coach field. I said, coach, I have to call it straight down the middle. I'm not like, I'm not trying to throw a heister under the bus or anything, but I'm trying to grow a career and not be, you know, all about Gonzaga. He goes, Okay, I get it. I see how it is.
3: <laughs> That's awesome. That is so few, right? Um, and not afraid to needle you uh, and uh, be a little pointed at times. Um, but you know to your point, broadcasting, when I did do that well back in the day now and, and you and, and Richard and, and Heiser do such a great job Dan. Um, but that was an interesting perspective, right? to be able to have that behind the scenes, look, go to practice, go to shoot arounds. Like what was always interesting to me was seeing the other teams. Um, and what their walkthroughs and their shoot-arounds look like. Um, I will share with you, I remember going to Washington State with with Tony Bennett, and those guys were so organized in the development and the ball skills that they were working on, even during the shoot-around, it was impressive. And then there's other programs that kind of roll through there, and you can just tell their preparation. If there's one thing Fitz to, taught us was all about preparation, being organized, and we would know the plays as well as the other team. In fact, there was nothing better than telling a player where he should be going, the opposing player, when he was a little confused, right? Talk about, you know, shaking his confidence a little bit. So um, watching the preparation and how Gonzaga develops kids, knows where every out-of-bounds play is going. It was always great as a broadcaster to kind of have that behind-the-scenes look.
0: Yeah. Jared, how about you You, had, you guys had mentioned, you guys kind of uh, try to get your families together at, at every point. Uh, during during the year for a mini vacation. You guys also do a abandoned dunes trip, I believe, with a lot of your teammates. And by the way, thanks for the invite. At some point, I need to get down there with you guys. Who's the organizer of that, Jared? Is that
2: you? Uh, it kind of varies, Dan. Actually, we all just got back last weekend from Cabo. Uh, that was Matt Stanford and his wife organized that. But there's a group of about six of us from my year... I was the oldest Dudley and then the guys all from 94 that, I mean, these two yahoos were in my wedding. We've all, we're all in each other's weddings and we've been doing this since before we had kids to, we have photos of when all our kids were, you know, two, three years old. So, um, I will say it's unique. I remember I'm still you probably know him well, but I'm still pretty close friends with Eric Lautenbach. And I remember when Eric from Nike was our rep. And I remember him distinctly in the late 90s after we all graduated saying, look, I'm at every major program in the country, Duke, Michigan, you name it. What you guys have does not exist in the college environment. He's like, it is so unique. The fact that even we stay in touch with you and Floyd and Santangelo, I mean, that, that maybe the closest thing is, is Duke, uh, in terms of that culture. But I think that's the thing that Mark's really bred in that program is it's, it's more than just, Hey, you're just on the same team together right? Uh, yeah. He wants guys to be friends. Not not everyone is that way. We get it. But my group certainly is remained incredibly tight over 30 years.
0: That's a great point. Eric Lottenbach has been uh, an integral part of, of supporting and, and being a believer in Gonzaga throughout his whole time at, at Nike. And he has made similar comments to me when we've talked about just how special the groups kind of get together I know when when I came over from University of Washington um, I had no idea I had heard the guy your guys's names but I had no idea who you were and within no time of me my during my redshirt year Goss I remember you uh coming in I might have been for an alumni game or something I don't even know who you are and you're pitching me shit left and right and I'm thinking like I just met you 10 minutes ago what the heck's going on <laughs> so hey, <we're> family. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, Goss, tell me how how you kind of have navigated helping that culture being translated um, from one era to the next. Because I, I know for a fact, if you were to walk into a gym today at GU and Nolan Hickman was there, you would probably make some comment to make him feel uh, wanted, but also like, who the heck is this guy?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that's just more of an inherited trait from the Goss side, but... Uh... I don't know. I just always growing up. I always thought that was important because I was always a Vandal fan growing up, and it was innate with Don Munson and those guys. And I just, I don't know. I just always felt that was really important to be, as, you know, as close as you can. Like as Jared said, not all teams are like that, but also to have a history. Because I always, I always thought that was so important, uh, you know, moving forward. And it, it's just really nice being able to be, you know, still you know, even the names is, you know, someone that played at Gonzaga and have the ability to talk to all these guys and, you know, see how they're doing and, and just make sure that how our class kind of started will always continue because that's what we kind of preached and that's what Few and Fitz and all those guys always said, hey, we're a family. And it kind of started back with, you think, like with Stockton and Steve DeLong and all those guys. I mean, they really, you know, especially Steve-O set the tone for that. So I don't <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just a flaw in my personality, which I'm sure those guys will bounce on, but that's i uh, I don't know. I don't know any other way.
2: <laughs> I mean, Dan, a lot of people don't even realize this. I mean, I know it was before you, but that 9 that, that, that from Santangelo Calvary, we, all of us six of us were at every one of those games. None of us were making very much money. We were buying Southwest airlines tickets. We were all in Seattle. I was yeah. still in
1: law school using my dad's credit card.
2: Yes, Texas <laughs> credit card. We—I remember when Casey tipped that in. They beat Florida. Literally, we all made it down to the floor, the six of us, and we went in the locker room after they won with months. And I think—I mean, obviously months and few were our assistants, but I think some of those guys were looking at us like, "Who are these nut jobs? And why are they in our locker room?" <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well,
1: that was the same thing we saw Munson in Minnesota when they beat Iowa. We busted into Min- uh, Minnesota locker room with Munson, and all of us were there high-fiving the guys and throwing water on these guys from Minnesota that just beat Iowa. And they're like, who are these clowns that are? have obviously had some beers? Why, why are they in our locker room?
0: <laughs> you know, you look at uh, the growth of the program, and, and there's been different steps. You know, that first – your, your guys' group made the postseason possible. John Riley's group got it to the NCAA tournament – then all of a sudden that 99 team busts through, gets the Elite Eight, and then there's been little things over the course of time um, that has continued to move the program forward. But the ultimate goal being a Final Four and a national title, I know I saw you guys down in Phoenix in 2017 at that Final Four. How much joy did you guys have being a part of that? It was one okay, of we'll the core moments. Brown. We'll go Brown, Davis, and then Goss.
3: Yeah, Dan, I think we all have – you know, that moment when we walked into to the film um, before the, the South Carolina game um, and there had to be, you know, 75 former players there. Right. All over the world. Guys yeah. coming in from Australia and being one of the first guys to walk in there. I distinctly remember Nigel standing up. Right. We're there to support them. And they gave us the standing ovation. Yeah. And I think nothing says more about a, a program than that simple fact. Um, you know, unfortunately, last year, you know, COVID, it was so challenging to get there with, with you know, if you did get there, you're up in the, the top. And so, you know, there's there's certain things that give everyone joy in life. And watching Gonzaga play, win, but most importantly, win the right way, um, not have recruiting sanctions and all sorts of challenges that many of these top programs do gives me personally a ton of joy. And I know it gives, you know, the guys that we all played with a ton of joy in, in the conversation. Now, right back in the day, in the mid nineties, you could literally walk into that lovely Safeway on Hamilton with a Gonzaga sweatshirt on. And they probably wouldn't recognize you. Um, now, if you say you went to Gonzaga and my God, you played there. Um, and I always like to preference that well before we were any good, um, you know, that, that from a, just a brand recognition is obviously much, much different and, and done amazing things for the school and the entire community.
2: Jared, how about you? Yeah, I, Look, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think all of us feel this way. I, I think we feel a part of it. And I think part of that is the consistency of Mark being there and Mark having that, hey, these guys all help build this program one way or another, brick by brick. And for the three of us, Brown's a little different. You obviously are different, Dan. You were All-American, played in the NBA. For us to be part of that, to go to a Final Four, I mean, let's be honest, not taking anything away from some of the guys, other teams in our league, but when we left, Gonzaga could have become University of Portland, right? The fact that it's done what, what Mark's been able to do with that program and to Brown's point, you know, we used to walk through the airports and be like, where's Gonzaga <laughs> I mean, they didn't, they didn't even know it. And now you tell people you went there, you played, and it's like there's just an immense amount of pride, I think, from probably our group that kind of feels like we were the, the first to sort of turn the corner maybe um, and start things uh, just to be a part of it. And I think that is probably why Goss feels – that closeness I, I mean even for guys that we probably never met we're like hey man we're zags right. i mean i've met you but we're zags and i think mark has continued to try to impress that upon you know his most recent teams as well i know you probably feel it with the guys i mean i think it's important
0: yeah absolutely Goss. yeah, Josh? yeah I, I i
1: think it's the same thing it's just that that sense of you know, belonging and and at least for me personally, be able to show that, you know, I could play with guys like, you know, like Brown and Jared who were so much more advanced than I was, but then to be able to have a significant contribution, you know, at a short period of time there. But the the main thing was, I think, especially in that 2017 was walking around and seeing all the alumni that we graduated with and all of our friends um, that were just, such an integral part, as well as us playing, that just made you know made Gonzaga what it is. And yeah, it's really a trickle down effect from what Few has done. But the, you know, this cat, this net has been cast so wide now, and it is really nice to be able to say, like Jared just mentioned, that hey, you played at Gonzaga versus like where the hell is Gonzaga? Oh, it's a small Division One school up in Spokane, Washington. Down, They're like, oh my God, you know, that's pretty amazing. And they they kind of look at you funny, like, did you actually play? <laughs> but but it's it, it oh, nice to, yeah
2: what'd you say no that's for deadly
1: oh yes yeah, right sorry team manager <laughs> uh no but it's just that that whole sense of and that's what fuse always i think done you know from back in the day that just the fact that hey we are a group and you know no one can get
0: within that with that group and it's just a, it's a nice feeling to have the growth of the program has been amazing we've talked about a lot of different things but you know, the, the, the gear and the travel in the arena are absolutely first class. I was sorting through some things in my garage the other day, and I came across a picture. My red shirt year, I had hand-me-down sweats that I think were about five years old. Like, literally, this they went about halfway to my sleeve. Give me your worst example of gear when you guys were there.
3: Oh. <laughs> Let's have Gosco go first, because I think his interactions with Steve DeLong are, are legendary.
1: Well... We, we used to call Steve O the shoe god because I'd be in a panic every time I needed a new pair of shoes. But I think probably the the worst one were our practice gear the first year those little red tight shorts that Stockton probably still wears, God forbid. Uh, and it was it was I was terrified because I wasn't the biggest guy in any sense of the imagination. And it just it was kind of in a panic having to practice in those tight little shorts. But the best was though we my my freshman year playing wise we still have those little tight shorts which i had to play in university of montana which i didn't have a very good weekend so we started passing those along that a freshman guard had to wear those as a joke in warmups for a number of years i remember in law school we had Fromm wear those his first year and he would that kid didn't even care and they were they looked like duct tape around his his uh is uh, his ass and this front size. So it was, other than that, it was, it was pretty limited. And the one thing real quick is, Jared Benson and is, I don't think people realize how close we were to going to LA gear back in the day. Cause LA gear came in hot and wanted fits and they had signed USC. And then thank God fits and became buddies with Lautenbach because that would have, uh, that could have been drastically different right now.
2: Yeah. Although I don't think the Nike gear during our era was was that much advanced beyond la gear actually daniel appreciate this with coach mike burns this is goss with his gonzaga practice shorts giving him a little bit of <laughs> clothes out at dudley's house our uh, our practice gear and gear was it, did, it was non-existent
0: jeff brown i know these guys are, are closer friends with you than i am with you and they always give you a hard time on different things did you struggle to find practice gear
1: no he, he got whatever he wanted I and mean, he was having dinner every night at fitz's house and he got every new pair of shoes every single half second. he had no problems
2: let I me answer that uh, for i have a great story dan about jeff because jeff got, uh, brown and i played high school together um he was, I knew he was going to be good even as a sophomore. And I was, I don't even know how, I, my, my you high school were coach, good. no, I wasn't good. My high school coach said, you're not good enough to ever play, but I was convinced of Jeff. And when he didn't like it at Washington, I called him and he was very disgruntled to the point where I had to call Myrna and Jim, his parents, uh, and say, look, Jeff needs to come here. This red shirt group is good. He'll change the direction of this program. And I told Fitz he'd be a three-year all-league player, which he was. Unfortunately, the first time he showed up for pickup ball, he had been horseback riding in the morning with his girlfriend. And we played hour and a half and Goss and Dudley cornered me. And not that Brown, we all know is not, you know, the greatest rat ball player. And they said, dude, he's terrible. Are you kidding? I was like, look, trust me, he's he's going to be fine. Um, and Jerry tried he- to
1: justify it by saying, yeah, he was horseback riding. I'm like, that doesn't make it any better. He <laughs>
0: makes it worse. I'm like, who is First impressions are
3: everything, aren't like? they, Dan?
0: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we, we've yeah. I've had great first impressions with the three of you guys. I know you guys all have uh, business commitments throughout the rest of the day. But one last question, just really quickly. Is Gonzaga going to win the national title, yes or no? Jeff Brown, Davis, and Goss. Go.
3: Yes. I will preface that with they're young, Dan, and I would suspect them to have some challenges early Um, versus last year's team, which is plug and play with three NBA guys, veteran guys. Now they're so young. I think they're certainly going to have stretches, especially early in the season when they're trying to figure out rotations. And what an awesome problem to have is so many dudes that can play, but that represents some challenges as well. So long-winded answer of saying yes, although I think the journey will be perhaps a little bit ragged. Jared?
2: I mean, look, Dan, I'm not, a, I'm not in the pontification business, right? You do this for a living and analyze these guys. Um, I guess the short answer is I don't know, but I'm going to be pulling as hard as anyone for them. They obviously have the talent. I think you you probably know as as well as anyone. The NCA tournament is a a lot of luck involved, but I think Mark has put together a team that if they get hot, they absolutely have all the talent to be able to win it.
1: If they stay healthy and it's the fact they can go roughly ten deep, um, I, I I think they've got a really good chance to win
0: this whole thing. Awesome. Well, yeah. Goss, I like how you were still waffling on the fence. They've got a really good chance. So. <laughs>
3: Dan, what's your perspective?
0: You know, I, I, I'm very similar to what you said, Jeff Brown. In fact, that, uh, I think and, they, and, and yes. will win it all. The, there, is a, there is so much more room for growth with this year's team uh, than I've seen with any team that they've had. And, and simply because, you know, they've got the talent, but there's, there's a lot of – it's inexperienced, but it's talented inexperience which if as long as they take coaching, uh, they'll speed that learning curve up in no time. So I really appreciate you guys. I know, um, you know, Gonzaga fans need to know more of your guys' stories because you guys were, were huge pieces of the foundation. So thanks again for joining and uh, best of luck covering or, excuse me, watching Gonzaga games with a lot of joy this year.
3: Awesome. Dan, thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot, Dan.